Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. It's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're still here. We'll still, we are still alive. I am still here in the podcast bunker. This is Dave. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, Steve's, all y'all out there and in your homes and locked down and probably starting to lose it. <clears throat> that was a lot of volume for early in the morning. Uh, Johnny Peterson, my guest, I apologize. I hope that I didn't just blow your ears out. <laughs> Please no, welcome. I loved it. <laughs> okay. Please welcome the CEO of Straight Up Podcast. He's out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's my buddy. Johnny Peterson is my guest on the show today. Yes. Yes. David, thank you so much for having me. I love the sound pads too. I, I utilize those myself on the Roadcaster Pro, so I'm glad we're getting some use out of them. Yeah, we are going to talk a little podcast today. We're going to talk about maybe give some recommendations on what's a good podcast and maybe podcasts you should be listening to while you're sitting at home. And we'll do a couple other fun things. But Johnny kind of is the Dallas-Fort Worth version of me. I produce podcasts at pod617.com up here in the Boston area. And we both use this device. I don't know if all of our listeners will be interested in this, Johnny, but the Roadcaster Pro, which came upon the scene maybe more than a year ago, but not more than two years ago, I think. Yeah, about a year ago. Um, it, it has been just an absolute game changer on my end. I, I remember when I first started out, I was using one of these. Uh, God, I can't even remember what it was. It's like this the Xenix mix board from Behringer. And that's how I first started out. And now it's just collecting dust as a relic in my office because the, the Roadcaster Pro just does everything I need and more. Yeah. In my studio, that's what I do. I take old equipment and I place it sort of around the studio as, so it looks like a museum. I've got an, I've got an old, I've got an old, um, oh, I can't even think of the brand, but it's one of those classic brands. It's an, an amp, which just sits on the floor. It's not doing anything. And then I've got my old, it's also a, a Behringer mixing board that I used to use when I used to uh, DJ weddings back in the day. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and that is collecting dust. Yeah, this thing is, if, for those po- aspiring podcasters, if you've got the budget, I think that they still run about 600 bucks, Johnny, you think? I want to say 600. I yeah. think, I mean, uh, the Roadcaster was definitely the pioneer in this new kind of all-in-one podcast studio. So it's something I do recommend, but for those podcasters out there, I mean, a lot of a lot of folks out there are hobbyist podcasters. They're not people like you and me who do this for a living, right. let alone starting a show to make a ton of money right off the bat. So they may not have the budget for it. If you can't swing that 600, I would highly recommend getting a Zoom H6 handy recorder. That thing is just, it's an absolute beast. You can take it on the go with you. Similar to the Roadcaster Pro, it's just a lot smaller. Uh, doesn't have all fun uh, bells and whistles like we see with the Roadcaster Pro. But if you really want to go all in with, 
either starting a production company or hosting podcasts for other people, the Roadcaster Pro is just, it's, it's undeniably the top of the market. Yeah, I it, it's it's a toy is what is what it is. I think the I think the people at Road would admit as much. It's got a lot of colorful buttons on it. It looks like you're operating, you know, from the the deck of the Starship Starship Enterprise, and there are levers and knobs and sliders. Uh, the 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 sound pads are fun. You you know you load it up with the sound effects. You know I got the applause thing there, and the the only problem there is. There are only eight of them, and you can switch to another collection of eight. But then you got to remember which one you're on. So, I very often hit the wrong sound effect in the <laughs> right in the course of a show. <laughs> it's like you know, there's a tender moment. Someone's recalling you know their departed dad, and and I hit like a whoopee cushion sound effect. It's, it or doesn't the laughter button the, or laughter button, right? <laughs> it doesn't play well. It that does not play well. So so tell us just off the bat, you you um. You're able to work and edit out of your home. I take it that this is the home studio where um, you're joining us from or? No, right now I'm actually in my, my actual official studio, studio okay. the actual studio. Yeah, I've kind of given up on, uh, I was recording out of my closet, just trying to, um, w- one of the things I really harp on is, you know, improving your home studio conditions. So I wanted to put my money where my mouth was and really amp up my closet studio just by throwing my clothes everywhere and building sort of a mini fort around my yeah. head just to kind of <laughs> yeah. block all of that excess noise. But for some reason, they, the air conditioner fan in my closet decided to start up again for some reason. So <laughs> that'll kill uh, you. That'll kill you. It, yeah. It, it is just, it was miserable to try and figure that out. So I gave up, I'm back in the studio now. So COVID come get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I was doing that for a while too. We have studios in Westwood, Mass, and since I was the only one in there, I figured it, it, I'm, I'm not. I'm basically quarantining at work, like you're doing. Um, but then I was able to move enough stuff back here into the home studio. Either way, it's it is nice that you can get it all done remotely, like we're doing. It's it's never quite as great as being in person, but but I think would you agree that much of what you do now is manageable? Well, what's funny is um, the studio, you know, people coming in and renting out the studio and having me as their producer live in person, that's actually, I would say probably only about 10% of my, my business model. So Mm -hmm. I I was actually set up for a quarantine style business (laughs) practice before this all even happened. So most of my clients are actually spread out all over the country. So what I've done with them is I set them up with wherever they're going to record, whether that's at home or their office, I point them to the best equipment that they can afford to get them the best possible sound quality. And then they sort of just share the audio over Dropbox and I'm able to play with it anywhere I am. So I, I was able to I was actually in Hawaii when everything actually kind of went down. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me thinks I should have just stayed there, but luckily I was <laughs> yeah. luckily I was able to do a ton of work from Hawaii. And so if I can work, you know, through a global pandemic, I can work from anywhere. <laughs> I wonder if the, I wonder if are they quarantining in Hawaii? I guess they probably are, huh? It, it was weird. So I mean, everyone's going to remember similar to nine eleven. Although I was in kindergarten when nine eleven kind of went down, and even then, I remember the exact moment where I was when uh, they talked about it, even though I couldn't understand the gravity of the situation. But I think everyone will remember where they were when they kind of realized, "Hey, this is real. This is you know, this isn't just something that people are hyping up for no reason just to keep us inside." But yeah. the first week uh, I was in Hawaii and the island seemed pretty untouched by everything. There was no panic buying people. I mean, with 
it's kind of an Asian cultural thing, forgive my political incorrectness, but from an Asian culture standpoint, a lot of people already wore masks. So that was a pretty common thing in Hawaii since they're so close to the, to the continent of Asia. Um, but since then I've stayed in contact with who we were staying with out there and they just said their economy is just decimated because it's 90% tourism. So hotel workers, people that work in bars, people, all the Uh, tourist attractions, there's no one coming to the Island right now because no one's traveling. And so it's just, I, I, my heart goes out to the people on the islands because it's just, I don't know how they're going to recover from this. Yeah. And I think we're all in this nervous state right now. I mean, most people that I come into contact with are, you know, keeping a stiff upper lip, Many can still work to a to a normal degree, but we it's like I I worry what life is going to look like. Restaurants, movie theaters, any place that we go, sporting <laughs> sporting arenas. How long is it going to take before they're back? What percentage of restaurants are going to survive this? I mean, it, is uh, is it an exaggeration to say it might be about fifty percent might get wiped out? Is that am I crazy? What do you think? No, I think you're, you're absolutely on the money, especially where I'm located in Fort Worth. It's just, it's a lot of mom and pop restaurants, a lot yeah. of small businesses, and they're just, they're just closed. There's nothing they can do. So, I mean, people are doing what they can with the takeout and sort of delivery method. But I mean, I agree with you. I think there's no going back to quote unquote normal sort of pre end of 2019 life in terms yeah. of the economy and just how daily life is. I think that masks are going to become very commonplace, similar to, like I said, how it is in China and Asia. Mm. Um, I refuse to wear a mask. I don't care if they make it a law. I'm not going to do it. That's because wow. I, I just don't, I, I mean, I, I feel very old school in that sense, but <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't justify putting something around my face. I just can't do it. Just because it's uncomfortable or what? It just feels weird. It feels bizarre. It feels like we're just in this dystopian. I mean, I, yeah, I remember welcome to it. <laughs> I know. I remember going to Walmart to get groceries and they there's this announcement coming over the loudspeaker. Attention, all shoppers, please maintain social distancing and stay home. if you're. And I'm like, what kind of dystopian sci-fi movie yeah. are we living in right it, now? It is. Pick your movie, 12 Monkeys or, or Handmaid's Tale, the TV show or something like that we're we're here and it's and it's just it's amazing how quickly we got here i'm i tend to be a a cockeyed optimist and i tend to be kind of blase about things like um overly sanitizing you know the whole when hand sanitizer first came around i said you know that's bogus just you know wash your hands after you go to the bathroom wash your hands before you eat you're fine you know um and every stage of this, I kept saying, well, it's not going to get to the point where, you know, they close places. Oh, it's not going to get to the point where they make us stay in our houses. I was wrong about everything. Every, it's all here. It's all here. Every worst nightmare is here. So so no, so no political future uh, for David Yaz? <laughs> no, no, no. I have a sordid past, Johnny, in addition to all this business. Yes. Uh, so let's talk podcast. You've been doing this for a while. And, uh, you know, the people that are listening to us are likely podcast enthusiasts. And I kind of am fascinated as to why some people are some are podcast junkies. And then others are like, what's a podcast? Let's start with this. Do you remember the first podcasts you started listening to when it was first a thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll never forget because it was, you know, I was a struggling teenager. I, I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I, I was on my third university. I finally landed at Texas Christian University. And I remember it was 2016 or 2017 when my buddy said, hey, have you ever heard of the Congratulations podcast with Chris D'Elia, who's a stand-up comic? And I was like, no, what's a podcast? I've never even heard of these things. And I listened to it and I just 
I don't know what it was. Something just clicked to me. And I said, I just love this medium. I love the fact that I can just put someone in my ears and it, it's like they're having a conversation with me. And since he's a comedian, I, I was just, you know, laughing my ass off every episode. Yeah. And so I realized this is something that I really want to do. And I think that it happens to everybody at some stage in life where something just, it clicks. So they go, that's what I want to do. This is my passion. And I, for me, luckily it was podcasting. And so I just went head over heels into it from there. Yeah. What you said it, about the medium being unique, I think is spot on. It occurred to me that not only was it a, it a medium that I enjoyed, I started binging Mark Marin, you know, one of the, the pioneers of podcasting famously started his show in his garage when he was kind of down on his luck and has since been listened to by millions and millions has had Barack Obama in his garage as a guest on the podcast. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Adam Carolla, you know, just as I'm ticking off a few, it occurs to me, this is just a good recommendation, folks. If you love podcasts, go back and find Jeff Garland's podcast. He known best as manager Jeff on Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Larry, Larry David's sort of sidekick there. He did a series of interviews at Largo in L.A., a club in L.A., they're just fantastic, and there's nothing fancy about it. It's him, him, he happened to be on stage, but he interviewed, you know, Amy Poehler and Aziz Ansari and Bob Odenkirk and, in fact, Larry, wow. Larry David, and it was called um, By the Way, because he says By the Way all the time. Anyway, <laughs> so go look that up. But it occurred to me, and maybe, maybe you'd agree, maybe that's what your light bulb was all about as well, Johnny, is we can, if you and I, like I can sit at home and watch a uh, talk show or I'll pick, I'll pick a show that I miss because it's gone now. Thank you, pandemic. But um, pardon the interruption on ESPN. Real simple show, but Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon, they sit they, for 30 minutes, rapid fire. They discuss the sports issues of the day. They're interesting. They're opinionated. But there's a beautiful set. It's, a, it's, a, it's modeled on the Sergeant Beatles, Sergeant Pepper album. It's constantly changing. The lighting obviously is perfect. This is ESPN. It's a big studio. If you and I, Johnny, wanted to recreate that show, it would cost us at least 50 grand, if not you know, 100, 200 grand or whatever oh, it easily. is. Right. So in order to recreate a Mark Marin podcast or a pick any pick, pick, uh, you know, Joe Rogan or anybody, you can do it for about 100 bucks. Well, if you already have a laptop, laptop, I mean, I guess if, you if that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and that. Is that, was that similar to what inspired you to say, Hey, this is, this is something if with, with, um, with ingenuity and with a little bit of creativity and then, you know, just, just ambition to get good guests and everything you could start right now and, and be great before, before long. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the one thing is, is that everyone starts at zero. I mean, I, rem I, I go back and listen to the first podcast that I ever launched at the time. And it just, it, it, it makes me cringe Sucks. every time yeah, I listen I to it. It's so bad. But at the same time, I think one of the misconceptions about podcasting is that it's really difficult to get started. And now with the ease of technology, and like we talked about uh, when we talked yesterday is you pay 70 bucks for a Samsung Q2U, plug that right into your laptop, download QuickTime player and you can have a great sounding podcast. Like you said, for less than a hundred bucks, host it on anchor for free and boom, you're, you're good to go. They're uh, the microphone outlets are all out of the Samson Q2U microphones. right now. <laughs> they should be back. I know this because we, we send, we, we buy mics for all of our clients who start a podcast with us and we ship them out to them. And my life has become searching for those microphones, but there, there are alternatives. <laughs> there are alternatives, but, but people, I guess this is kind of a good, a good somewhat insider tip for new podcasters. Don't necessarily go with the blue Yeti, right? 
or the yeah. or, we talked about uh, yeah. having ancient relics in our studios and in our offices. My favorite one that I'm looking at right now in my studio is a, is my very first Blue Yeti that my mom bought for me in high school. Um, <laughs> yeah, or the snowball. It's collecting a lot of dust, and it's the microphone I point to uh, when I'm setting up new clients, and I say, don't buy this one. This is the <laughs> one you don't buy. I mean, unless you're a Twitch streamer or a YouTube commentator, you can get that. It's totally fine. But if you want a really high-quality sounding podcast, steer clear. Yeah, it's true. There are just better ones out there that are sort of lesser known. Sam, Samson is, is one. Or anything by... Uh Audio tech. How do you pronounce that? Audio tech. Audio Technica. Yeah, audio we're Technica, both wearing, yeah. We, yeah, we're both wearing audio look at, Technica look at, look at my headphones. Yeah, the <laughs> headphones are good and they make good microphones as well. Do you do you? What are your favorite moments in interviewing? Does anything come to mind, Johnny, in terms of people that you've interviewed and like moments during podcasts where you where you you were kind of proud and you said, "Hey, this is cool. This is what it's all about." You know, I, I'm I'm going to change the question a little bit. So, and <laughs> yeah, it, what it, the it hell? It's it not my show or anything. It, yeah. <laughs> it ties back into my personal story of, of a journey as a podcaster. And when I first started out with my passion for it, when it really first clicked in that I wanted to do this for a living was I wanted to have my own show, very similar to Joe Rogan, very similar to a lot of new podcasters that are starting out. But then I realized very quickly that, hey, it's going to take a while to actually monetize something like this. But what can I do now to actually make a living in the podcast world, whether or not I have a show that monetizes. And that was from the production standpoint. And so really learning how to produce podcasts, I'm totally self-taught. I didn't take any classes on how to do this. It was just, you know, hours and hours of just playing with it and learning how to do it myself. I would say that was sort of the biggest moment for me that I feel most accomplished more so than in the interview was learning how to create a, a great sounding podcast for other people. So a lot of people, I think, get tripped up on, they get tripped up on a lot of things when they want to start a podcast. One is like, they, they're just overwhelmed by what do I need to buy? Because, you know, if you don't talk to someone like you or I, that can get overwhelming. Yes, you can Google. I mean, it sometimes as simple as Googling what are the 10 best microphones in various budgets. You can do that. That's a good place to start. But then what do I plug it into? Do I need two mics? Blah, blah, blah. Other people are just like, okay, um, I figured out do this and this, but what do I talk about? <laughs> like, like, are there, are there people who you help define their vision? You know, like, uh, in other words, you know, well, I'm a lawyer, but I like to talk about my passion for wine and French films or something. I'm describing some very strange, um, haughty type, uh, kind of lawyer. I don't know. Anyway, but tell us how you help people, you know, sort of crystallize what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell people, especially when they come to me, normally they usually have an idea, a very, very high level idea. It's not really fleshed out. So I'll sort of help them narrow down what it is that they want to talk about because, and as an experienced podcaster yourself, someone who sets up other people, you would know that the worst performing shows are going to be the ones where they show up and they say, we're going to talk about anything, everything, and whatever oh, yeah. we feel like talking about. Yep. That is when the audience has to buy into you as a person. Whereas someone like Cohen and O'Brien or Will Ferrell performing his Anchorman character, those are the type of podcasts where they can talk about anything and everything because people know who they are. People are going to give them the benefit of the doubt of, well, I kind of interested in hearing what Will Ferrell thinks about just kind of life in general. Whereas if it's someone like you or me, where our audience is starting at zero, you need to pick a specific thing. What is the value that you're going to provide to someone tuning into your podcast? And so I really encourage whoever it is that I'm working with, you need to have one clear goal 
as to why you're starting this podcast? Is it to promote your business? Is it to get in front of other clients? Is it to promote your own personal brand? What is that one tangible thing? And, I, and I'll echo what uh, you and I have already talked about and as well as Matt in our podcast producers group is yep. it can't be to make money because those podcasts are dead on arrival immediately. Yeah. And people don't love hearing that because nope. people, think, yeah, especially people, I mean, there, there are people who are already focused when they come in, you know, let's say you take a financial advisor and it's like, I just want to provide tips on retirement and that's, and particularly this kind of retirement plan. And it's like, that's not going to be exciting to you or I, but to that person's industry. Okay, fine. Off you go. Great. Or, you know, um, we're going to analyze, you know, comic book movies. There's probably a zillion of those as well, but you're right. The, the some people come in and they think, oh, everybody tells me I should have a podcast because I'm funny and I'm irreverent, you know, and I'm this and that. I was working with two women who came in and they that's kind of what they wanted to do. And it was just kind of the world, according to Sally and Jane. That's not their names, but whatever. And so <laughs> um, and so and they were pretty good. They were they had a pretty nice chemistry. But I said, well, what kind of things are you going to talk about? And they said, well, for example, like we had a funny riff on that Peloton ad. Well, now everybody had a funny riff on that Peloton ad, but nevertheless, okay. So you sit, you, you broke down the Peloton ad, you played a little clip on it on your show. And that was, that was a nice little 10 minute bit right there. So what I said was, well, maybe you got something right there. Maybe break every, every episode, you're going to break down a commercial. And when you run out of current commercials, do an old commercial, go back to the seventies and see that's something that I was, see, I like the here's what, you know what they, I call it a, you know what they do podcast. In other words, Hey, have you heard about this podcast? It's no, it's like, Oh, well, you know what they do? They go back and they look at a disease. There is a podcast like this. I forget what it's called, but they, they pick a certain disease and they tell you the history of it. It sounds like a morbid podcast, but people tell me it's good anyway. But like we, so I wanted to, for a while I did a podcast with my buddy Melt. He's, he's kind of like the New York version of me. We're college buddies. And we thought we'd talk about, you know, all things Boston versus New York, Red Sox, Yankees. It's like, well, everybody kind of does that. So then we had the idea to do a music podcast. And what we do, we do, what we do is we go back in time and we pick a top 10 from like 1972, the top 10 billboard hits. We play a little clip of each song and we comment on it. So that was as close as we could get to a That's what they do podcast, you know? So, um, yeah. Do, are you able to talk down people from that, from that, um, position they're in where they say, no, no, I can talk about, I can talk about anything. Um, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> when I first started out and you, I'm sure you have the similar experiences, uh, you kind of, you eat what you kill in this business. And so you kind of have to work with whoever's coming to you because you need those first paychecks right off the bat. But luckily we're at a point now to, you know, with, you know, branding and reputation building is to the people that come to me are, are very serious nowadays. And so they have their idea pretty fleshed out, but it's similar to what you said, how, okay, we're, well, we had this funny bit about breaking down the commercial and then that's where we step and you say, okay, yes. And, and now we're going to narrow this down a little bit. And you sort of kind of push them along if they can't get to the idea themselves. But for me personally, mostly these people have these ideas already fleshed out. And I sort of just from an audio production standpoint, I put it together for them. That's really where my bread and butter is, is all you have to do is press record, talk about what you're going to talk about, and then leave the rest to me. Three, four, five days later, you'll have a full podcast episode back in your bank. Mm -hmm. Why is editing important? Some, some people, and tell us about your philosophy about that, because some people think, well, it's, you got to make me sound good. You got to clean me up and all this and others, maybe not so much. Yeah, it, it really depends on the host themselves. Some people, um, 
some people want to live in all in all the ums and all the vocal stutters and those you know two minute breaks where they go and get water and take a piss. Uh, <laughs> Right, right. I just think that, I mean, there are so many podcasts out there and we're going to hit a million on Apple podcasts any day now. I think it's like, you know, less than 5,000 away from hitting a million. Wow. It's, I mean, there's no room for error anymore. You, there, it's not like 2004 anymore where you can just set up your Blue Yeti microphone across the room and have five people talking at once and get 10,000 downloads because that's one of the 50 podcasts that are out there. There's no room for poor audio quality anymore. People are going to give you 15, 30 seconds of their time if, they're, if you're a brand new podcast to them. And if your audio sounds like crap and you're saying, um, every other word, or you say, you start off with, Oh, how's the weather going out there? They're gone. And so I really hone in on the philosophy of it has to sound just like every top 10 Gimlet podcast. It has to sound like the Wondery podcast. It has to sound like Joe Rogan or else you're, you're, you're dead in the water. You could have the best content in the world, but if it doesn't sound great, if people can't keep their earphones in while they're listening to you for more than 20 minutes, then your podcast is going nowhere. Yeah, it's funny. Part of the spiel I used to make about podcasts was, you know, there are half a million. I I remember myself saying there are half a million podcasts out there. And then about six months ago, I had to amend that to there are three quarters of a million. And now here we are. And and like, you know, in another 15 minutes, we'll be up to to two million. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think people get um, cavalier and they think they can just dive right in. And people do get, you know, stars in their eyes and think they're going to be the next Joe Rogan. The mistakes that I see are are that that you're not as good as you think you are. You don't realize that it, this takes practice, like everything else. And then the one of my pet peeves is that is when they start talking and they think they're you know they can talk about anything, and yet they haven't even told you what the show is about. That's um I I picked that up from uh, big red flag. Yeah, exactly. No, it's because some people be like, hey, it's the Jim Jones show. Welcome back. And oh, it's cold today, man. It's cold. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to get we got a great show. We're going to get to a lot of stuff today. How you doing, Sally? You know, and all of a sudden it's like, why am I listening? I, I don't even know what the show is about, you know, hit, or who hit, the host is. And by then they're gone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't say, tell us you forgot to tell us. Sometimes I'll be sitting in the studio and my host is talking and I say, can you tell us who you are, please? Maybe what the name of this this show is. Um, so we're going to do an edition of uh, Good Stuff, and Johnny's completely unprepared for this, So, but we'll see how he does, where we recommend something that you should be doing, listening to, watching, really anything, anything to help us survive this nightmare we're in. Let's play Good Stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Johnny's got his groove on. Miss <laughs> those B-52s. I wonder what they're doing. Anyway, so I'll go first if you, if you don't have something specific, Johnny. But would you like I to go ha- first? I, I oh, do excellent. have something specific. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to steal the method uh, from the Bill Simmons podcast. Mm. So they just started doing something. It's something to read, something to watch, and something to do, I think. Oh, cool. Um, and so I've got three of those for you. And we're going to do quarantine edition. So I love it. Something, something to do right every single day, especially if you're a podcaster, excuse me, if you're a podcaster writing, I know it's, I know it's 
different from podcasting. It's different from talking to the microphone, but I promise you it will make you such a better podcaster because it's like anything else. You're flexing your writing muscle. You're practicing getting your thoughts out on paper and it's going to make you such a better off the cuff speaker just by practicing getting your thoughts out every single day. It doesn't have to be about anything specific. Just one paragraph doesn't have to be super long, but make sure you write something every single day. Mm. And I guarantee you, you have the time, except if you have kids. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I'll, I'll stop you there for one moment, Johnny. It, I used to be a writer and I still consider myself a writer. I wrote for 15 years for a legal newspaper. But anyway, um, I find I still write these days, but, but I think it's unproductive. What I do is when something moves me, I'll like write it on Facebook. You know what I should do. You've just given me inspiration is if I can still post it on stupid Facebook, but I should, you know, if it's just a random thought or something funny about, I don't know, the president or something I just saw or something I just watched, something I remember, I should put that like in a journal or something and then use that for something else or stack it away, stash it away and no one will ever read it. But It'll be there though. All right, John, please go ahead. (laughs) It's um, I'll hit one more thing. So personally for me, the writing has been, uh, it's been every single day. I think I've been going on three months now and what I've been doing for, from my personal viewpoint of what I want to write about is if I were starting my business today, knowing what I know now, what would I do differently? And Mm. so every single day, it's either something that's happened in the business, something that I'm reflecting back on something, how I'm feeling. And especially during the quarantine has been huge for me is what am I feeling during this quarantine? What was the first week of the quarantine like? Cause I never want to forget that. And if it's just a growing and evolving document, but anyway, I love it. I'll move on. So that's something to do, something to listen to, especially if you're getting a lot of anxiety about the coronavirus and you don't want to completely tune out from coronavirus. You still kind of want to keep, uh, keep your head in the know of what's mm-hmm. going on. The Pete and Sebastian show is a fantastic podcast. It's mm-hmm. two, it's two comedians, Sebastian Maniscalco and Pete Corielli, two just New York Italian dudes. Italian people are the funniest people on the planet, especially when they're Italian comedians. They have just been breaking down the coronavirus and just talking about what's going on in their lives in quarantine. And I honestly haven't laughed harder about anything related oh, I'm to gonna, coronavirus. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm familiar with Sebastian. He's If you haven't heard of him, he's a comic on the rise. Uh, maybe the other dude is too. I just haven't heard of him. Sebastian was on Jerry Seinfeld's uh, comedian coffee car thing, um, which is just a signal that he's made it. All right. I, he was I, also in. He was also in uh, the Irishman. That's right. Well. He was one of the one of the dons. That's right. That's right. All right. You're two for two, Johnny. Two for two, and yeah. then something to watch. <laughs> so yes. we did something to do, something to listen to, and something to watch. The Michael Jordan ESPN ten part documentary is being released early, starting this Sunday. Oh, I love it. Uh, so I have two hours blocked off every Sunday on my calendar (laughs) now to watch every single one. I used to play college basketball. So basketball is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I didn't know that you played at TCU. No, 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 no. (laughs) I did mention earlier that I went to three different universities. All right. I started off at a small division three school in LA called the university of Laverne played there for a year. Wasn't my cup of tea bounced out of there. Um, played for a year at a community college, decided what I wanted to do. And then that's when I realized, Hey, you're a six foot white dude. You're not going to the NBA. <laughs> Let's yeah. go to TCU, get a, get a good education, get a good degree and go from there. But, uh, but yeah, the, the ESPN documentary, I, I have the high hopes for it. Everyone that I've been listening to, like Colin Cowherd, all the barstool guys, it's going to be one of the greatest sports documentaries I think ever. Wow. And in terms of the quarantine documentaries, I think it will easily and quickly dethrone tiger King. If you haven't seen that already. Yeah, it's an interesting time in entertainment because the, you know, 
Tiger King is is great, and by now I think everybody's seen it, so maybe we don't have to rehash it. But it would it have been as big a hit if we weren't quarantined? That that's a great question, and I think the the people over at Netflix are probably just you know, wiping a bead of sweat off their head going, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we need stuff to watch. We need stuff to keep us entertained. But I mean, that, that's, that would have stood on its own. But a show like Ozark, I feel like everybody's saying, oh, have you seen Ozark yet? I've seen it. I, I have terrible news for you all. It's not quite as great as everyone says it thank is. Thank you. That's what, Do you agree? that's what I've been hearing too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there are two camps of people. It's people that think it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then there are people that think it's the most over- overhyped thing that's ever happened. I personally have seen half of one episode, oh, okay. but just from my personal opinion, I view it as uh, the dollar store general version of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, there you go. I was I compare it to Breaking Bad too because it definitely has echoes of of Breaking Bad in like this this guy who was just kind of a normal professional all of a sudden thrust into this world of gangsters, but Jason Bateman turns into a gangster like kind of overnight and with his little you know smug emotionless stare. And I like J- Jason Bateman. <laughs> I do like him. But anyway, so that's my take on Ozark. So that's awesome. I'll 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 tack on just one thing to uh, watch. And um, for your entertainment, Johnny, since you're my guest, I'm going to share my screen and we're going to play a trailer to this thing that's on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard about it. Some people have. It's called Money Heist. Here's the trailer. Uh, Hopefully it's more than just music. All right, here we go. So this wasn't a good trailer to play because it's in a different language, but let's just say... We have an image of Marty drawn in. <laughs> this is this is great podcasting, huh? Well, let's just say we'll take it in and we'll narrate. But there's this this band of they look like revolutionaries, and they've apparently taken over this is vault of some kind. No, it's not a prison. It's it's actually a mint. And so what they do is I'm going to stop the trailer because now it's just distracting. Not all, this is a good lesson for podcasters out there. Not everything always goes as planned. You play a trailer and it's in a different language. <clears throat> the version on Netflix that I'm watching actually has it dubbed. So it, and I always thought dubbing was was gone for good. In other words, you're watching the someone talking it's someone else's voice, you know, dubbed into English. It's not as distracting as you might think. They do kind of a nice job with it. The plot is it's this group of kind of mercenaries and you know like a lot of these these shows it's a ragtag band of misfits you know everyone's a little quirky in their own way you know young people old people etc and this guy has this mastermind plan to uh, seize a, a vault in not a vault a mint in spain and the, so the trick and this is just the premise i'm not giving anything away but the trick is not only are they are they going to steal money, but they're going to print their own money in it. So to make sure that it's unmarked and they can print as much as they want because they're in there and they're actually running the machine. But there's a lot of stuff, needless to say, things go wrong along the way. It's actually really good. I, and, and it was one of these where I, I said, I'll just take a, a crack at it. I watched and there were like 13 episodes and I'm like, well, this is probably the last episode. And then I do the Netflix thing where I look at what's next and it says season two, there's another 13 episodes. I'm like, wow, are they ever going to get out of this myth? Like what's going on? But it's none of the actors you've ever heard of. I'm sure that it's, it's, I don't know if it's Italian made or where it was made, but definitely foreign made. And uh, yeah, money heist. It needs a new title. It's probably something cool in, in um, Italian, but money, heist, Italian, yeah. money has just sounds like a movie about stealing money. Like uh, they could have done better there. Anyway, that's my, that's my, 
What are your thoughts on the, I know you said you enjoy the dubbing. I personally would rather listen to it in Italian and, and read the subtitles. Yeah. Because sometimes the dubbing can be just kind of cringy and weird and the voices of the people don't exactly match up to what they look like on screen. Yeah. Plus this is a, a generation and maybe it's just me. I'm getting old and having trouble hearing, but I often run the subtitles on just regular shows I, I have a theory. I don't know if it's true or not, but because of all the different way and that um, entertainment actually comes to us, th- streaming devices, sometimes it's the audio um, adjustment is not perfect when it arrives to your TV. So you could be watching an episode of Breaking Bad and you've got the volume at a normal level and all of a sudden Walt whispers something to Skylar and you're like, what did he say? What? what the yeah. <laughs> so I, sometimes I actually keep the closed captioning on. Yeah, I would normally agree with you. The dubbing is, I would normally not have it, but um, yeah, there are pros and cons. Like if you get, if you get up and to pour yourself a cup of coffee and your back's turned to the TV and you just hear something in Italian, then that doesn't do you much good. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think it's yeah. a generational thing either. I think, I mean, I put the subtitles on virtually everything and my oh, you theory do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, my theory behind that is that with the with the, with these stupid things, these phones that we have now, yep. um, our attention span is just so limited, and there's just flashing lights and pretty things to look at everywhere. Right. Whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's really hard to pay attention and listen at the same time. So it's easier for me to watch what's happening and read at the same time because my attention span is so short, I can easily click back and forth between what's reading what's happening as well as actually viewing it. I don't know if I explained that very well. No, I um, think you did. And, uh, but now I've forgotten what we were talking about because I have a short attention span (laughs) too. I was, we were the original short attention span generation when MTV came along and we could only last through one music video. You guys are, you guys can only last through one TikTok video. Um, (laughs) No, but, um, but yeah, that, that is a funny thing. I, I haven't given it that much thought, but for sure the, the, the closed captioning is now it you can you can see it's evident that they want to make it available it's usually one click away on your remote now where it used to be you had to go back and find it somewhere in the menu my son and I do a, a podcast about the TV show The Office, and we we just we review our favorite uh, episodes and we go through categories and we have a lot of fun with it. So our tradition is before we sit down to record the pod, we rewatch the episode that we're going to comment oh, you have on. To. Yeah, you have to. And so we kept you and I were talking recently about our mutual love for The Office, Johnny. So, um, but it's interesting to when you watch a comedy TV show like that that is written really sharply, and a lot of these great shows. I'm thinking also of Veep and of like modern. Family, sometimes because the closed captioning's on, you actually catch things that you didn't catch the first time because there's like a little bit of rapid fire dialogue, and you didn't really. Oh, did Creed just really say that? So another good <laughs> use for it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's also part of it too. Is is when you rewatch a show like The Office so many times, there are so many nuanced little things yeah. in there that you would never you would never pick up on if it's your first time watching it through. And one of my favorite things to point to specifically when it comes to The Office is the change in character of Michael Scott from season one oh, yeah. through the rest of the show. Yeah. So when you start with season one, Michael is just this, he is just this brass, just rude, terrible boss. And it was really hard for the audience to like him. And that's why the show didn't do so well in its first season. And so what they changed it to be is we need to make Michael a likable character. So what they changed him into is he's still this politically incorrect boss, but on top of that, he's now a likable idiot. Right. So when season one, they go, well, all of these things that he's doing in the office, he'd be fired immediately. So they needed to make him succeed at the same time of his, he sort of just stumbles into success. And so that's how he's able to 
keep his job and be the most you know profitable branch manager in all of Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, it, what it, it 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 pulls off an interesting trick and and the sort of odious nature of his character in season one was undoubtedly based on the the British character David Brent, the Ricky Gervais character. Yes. For some reason in 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 the UK, it worked that he was he was pretty much a bad person. I mean, he it, at the very end of that, if you watch the the entire run of The Office in the UK, was just like two seasons, I think. But you kind of feel bad for him at the end. But for the most of it, you have trouble rooting for him. Michael Scott, you're right. He succeeds in spite of himself he get, there's that one episode where where pam is, is is basically told to spy on michael and write down everything he does during the day and much of it is like he just imitated bill cosby he just waited in line for a pretzel downstairs and then at the very end you remember what happens at the very end of that episode he cl- yeah yeah when he wakes up and it's is it five is it five o'clock yeah a.m or p.m <laughs> right. right but then as as he's walking out he hands Pam a sales sheet and she says, this is a really big sale, Michael. He's like, yeah, I guess it is. So he goofed off all day long and then made a sale at the end. So sometimes I, I try to model myself after Michael Scott because it's a great way to go. You just goof off all day and then hopefully you get lucky at the end. It'll, but- <laughs> it'll all work out in the end if you believe it. <laughs> yes. well, Johnny, we are up against the clock a little bit here. Can you please tell us it's straight up podcast podcast but tell us where people can find out about your business and also what your podcast is if you could yeah absolutely so you can find everything at straightuppodcast.com podcasts is plural and then my own personal podcast is called pod logic where i try to provide you know really bite-sized ways to improve people's podcasts usually between five and seven minutes and then i also have started implementing these sort of longer form interviews with other podcast producers podcast business owners to try and get a sense of what makes this whole podcast world turn and what can folks who are getting into the space what are some easy roadblocks and they can overcome without you know having to go through the trials basically trial and error that we all had to go to starting off so trying to give a leg up on new people getting in and i mean it's totally free i don't mm-hmm. my plan isn't to monetize that podcast it just is to sort of just give information away for free i found that to be the best source of success in my business is to just give away things for free Absolutely. And these days, you know, the best thing of all, uh, Johnny, is that podcasts don't get viruses. Oh, too too soon? Too soon? Uh, No, but it's a great time. This podcast is unofficially sponsored by Lysol. Oh, he's he's holding up the Lysol. Um, Yeah, Lysol, give us a call, man. Sponsor both of our podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Johnny. You're awesome. Thanks. uh, Definitely check out his podcast and um, everything that he does down there in Texas. Glad you're doing well. And uh, yeah, uh, stick it to the man, Johnny. Never a mask. Never wear a mask. Never a mask. (laughs) David, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Uh, I will say that Boston is one of my favorite cities on the planet. Favorite basketball team of all time is the 08 Celtics. Nice. My my favorite actors are from Boston. Donnie, Mark, Leo, Ben, and Casey. Oh, wow. Wow. You covered, you know, half of the, the crowd of uh, South Boston there. And, and also the only five actors who know how to do the accent right. Alec Baldwin, exactly. stop doing the accent. You don't know how to do it. <laughs> Leave it alone. Thank you, Johnny Pearson. Thanks, thanks for listening. And thanks for listening to the Boston podcast. I, my outro music keeps failing me. Come on, Roadcaster Pro. There you go. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in your own podcast, go to pod617.com. All the info's there. Get in touch with us. You could be a guest on the show if you're a small business owner and you're having a little trouble during the quarantine period. Just go to pod617.com. You'll know what to do. We'll get you on the show for free. On behalf of Johnny, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But as Mike Wahlberg would say, one of Johnny's favorites, if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. (laughs) 
Enjoy the day, everybody. Hang in there. We're going to be okay. <laughs>